Are you involved in Jesus' work? Last week, I shared a fruit that's always in season, that fruit of faithfulness. And we said that the dictionary defined faithfulness as following through with a, commit, uh, with a commitment despite the difficulty. But I gave you an easier definition to remember, and that is that faithfulness is love that hangs on. It's love saying, I will not quit. It's love that says, I, don't, I may not understand it all. I may not um, get it all. I may get disappointed. I may get discouraged, but I will not quit. Something that's very closely related to faithfulness is something that I want to share with you this morning. And that is commitment. And Jesus speaks clearly about the need for absolute devotion to Him and to His mission to save lost souls. That's a tall order. How do we go about committing to absolute devotion to the Lord and His mission on earth? Before I go into that, I want to share with you an experience I had while I was driving down I-65. I was driving about 70. Can I get a testimony? About 70. And I was cruising along, and I was buzzed by this huge kamikaze housefly. The thing was this big. At one point, I became so obsessed with killing it, I almost ran off the road. All I wanted to do was either kill that thing or let it out the window. At one point, I do declare that I saw him in my rearview mirror sitting on my back glass laughing at me. And then I'd let down my guard and lo and behold, he'd buzz me again. He's that big. He's that, he's that big. He's this big. He's growing. But as he buzzed me again, I became more and more determined to kill this fly. And I remember asking myself this question, how fast can flies fly? As I looked down at my speedometer, I said, flies can't fly 70 miles an hour. And so I did a little bit of research later and found that the fastest that a housefly was ever clocked was 24 miles an hour. Yet this housefly wasn't doing anything but sitting on the back glass tormenting me and buzzing me from time to time. Finally, I spotted him on the back door window up close to the top of the window. So I reached down nice and slow. And I tapped the button, window rolled down, sucked him right out. And he went from 70 miles an hour to 24 miles an hour like that. Man, I was sure proud of myself. Mission accomplished. That fly is finally out of my hair. But then it was at that point that I realized that God's promises are a lot like me and that fly. 
think about this. As long as that fly was with me, he was going 70 miles an hour, not 24. As long as he was with me, he was far exceeding his own abilities. Wherever I went, the fly went. But when I released that fly to the world, which is really what he wanted, the minute that I released him into the world, he was immediately hindered. He was immediately inhibited. He was restrained. And he no longer went where I went. The same thing is true of me and my God. As long as I stay close to the Lord and don't torment Him, amen, then I can do things that far exceed my own abilities. But the minute that I'm released into the world, I immediately become hindered, I immediately become restrained in what I can do and can't do. God's instruction is given to us to bless us, to help us to exceed our own abilities. It's given to us to keep us close to Him. But most of all, His Word is given to us to make disciples. And as you know, you can't make a disciple until what happens? Till you are one. So let's read the Lord's instruction to disciples. The Lord is speaking to disciples here about making disciples. Read with me in Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples. Y'all get that? He began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. But then Peter, one of his disciples, took him aside and began to rebuke him. He began to rebuke Jesus, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. The King James, I believe, says, God forbid, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me. You are a stumbling block. You're in my way. For you are not mindful of the things of God. You're mindful of the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world, yet loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his everlasting soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father and with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. 
How would you like for Jesus to scold you like he just got through scolding Peter? This was probably one of the lowest moments in Peter's whole life. A few verses before that we didn't read, Jesus asked all the disciples, he said, Who do men say that I am? And Peter boldly answered, he said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, for for heaven and earth didn't reveal this to you, but God, the Father, revealed this to you. So one minute, Jesus is blessing Peter. The next minute, he's calling Peter Satan. Why would he do such a thing? Why would he do that? The reason is, is Peter had made perhaps one of the greatest mistakes of his life right there. Peter had gotten in the way. Peter placed himself in the way of Jesus doing his mission on earth. As a believer, have you ever gotten in Jesus' way? Have you called yourself a Christian, but then not worship God faithfully? Have you called yourself a child of God, but not dug in and strove to understand His Word to you? Do you now call yourself a Christian, but you don't serve Him in His church? Do you call yourself a Christian, but you don't give? You don't give faithfully to His work. Do you call yourself a Christian, but you don't even communicate with Him regularly? What does Jesus say to disciples who are doing these things? What does Jesus say to believers who are doing those things? Calling themselves Christians, but not doing what Christians do. What does Jesus say to them? He says, get behind me, Satan. He says, get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me. You are a stumbling block to me. You're in the way of me fulfilling my mission on this planet. You are not mindful of the things of God. You're mindful of the things of men. That's what Jesus says to them. Man, those are mighty strong words, are they not? Are they not? So if I fit into... One of those categories, 
what in heaven's name do I do? Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let's begin by looking at who Jesus was speaking to. Let's look at the candidate. Jesus said, if anyone, he's talking to his disciples, so he's speaking to every one of you. He says, if anyone, if any one of you disciples, you know, we can all find ourselves in Peter's place. As I reflected on my life as a Christian, as a so-called disciple, I have found many times where I got in the way, where I was an offense to him, a stumbling block to what Jesus wanted to do. Maybe you've lost the joy of your walk with Christ. Perhaps this week you've denied knowing Christ either by your action or your reaction to something, just like Peter did. Maybe there is some sin in your life that is besetting you and holding you back from what God wants to do in your life. Maybe your victory has gone right out the window. Maybe you are so low spiritually, you have to reach up just to taste dirt. You ever been there? I've been there. If any of those are true in your life, I have got great news for you today. Jesus provides us with the solution. He provides us with the answer. And the solution lies right here in this formula that Jesus gave to Peter. He said, if anyone, if anyone desires to come after me, is there anyone here who does not want to come after Jesus? Is there anyone here who does not want to be like their Savior? Good, because that means that Jesus is speaking to you. He said, if anyone desires to come after me, anyone includes you. He knows you. He knows that you fail. He knows that you don't have all the answers. He knows all your weaknesses. He knows, as Psalm 78 says, that your heart was not steadfast to him, nor have you been faithful to his word. But he, being full of compassion, desires to forgive your iniquity and not destroy you. Yes, many times he has turned his anger away from you. He did not stir up his wrath against you. For he remembers that you are flesh and like a breath that passes away and does not come again. Jesus knows you, and I want you to know this morning that he knows you better than you know you. He knows you, and he is compassionate toward you. 
It was like Jesus was saying to Peter, Peter, if anyone intends to be a follower of mine, he must put aside his selfish ambition. That time you have is not all your time. Put aside your selfish ambition. Be willing to die to sin and to self and to this world. And then follow me in what I do. He was telling Peter how to get out of that pit he had jumped himself into and how to avoid it in the future. But sadly, most Christians can't say that they are following the advice that Jesus gave to Peter. There just simply aren't many who are willing to pay the price. I believe that God is pleading for you today. I believe He is pleading for you today. I believe you are that anyone Jesus was speaking about. I believe that you are the candidate. I believe that you are the one that Jesus was speaking about today. I believe you are the who Jesus was speaking to. So now that we know who he was talking to, Let's find out what he was speaking about. Let's look at the commitment. The commitment is this. If anyone desires to come after me, Jesus said. You see, any commitment must first come from a desire to be completely his. You must first desire to become completely Jesus's. Do you desire to be His and His alone as long as you shall live? That original word in the Bible for desire is the same word for will. It's the same word for resolve, to be determined, to take uh, great pleasure in. It's the same word for purpose. So what is Jesus saying? If you will to follow me, if you absolutely resolve to come after me, if you take pleasure and love coming after me, this is what you do. But you know what? That kind of commitment comes from two places. Two things have got to happen before you have that kind of desire. One is you have to have a surrendered will. You have to be living a life that is a, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Surrender your whole life to Him. Commitment comes from a will that's yielded to God. Second, this kind of commitment comes from faith. You have to believe, not seeing. You have to trust God will keep His word to you. In Isaiah 42, God says, 
I will bring the blind by the way that they did not know. I will lead them in the paths they have not known. I will make the darkness light before them, and I will make the crooked paths straight. So Peter is told by the Lord Jesus, we are told by the Lord Jesus that you can't place any conditions on following him. Lord, if you'll give me a job where I'm working nine to five, I'll follow you. If you'll give me a job that pays a little bit more money, I'll, I'll give offerings. If you'll show me how to teach, then I'll teach. We can't say, Lord, if you'll heal my sick child, then I'll commit. No, no. We can't say, Lord, if you'll put my marriage back together, then I'll commit. That's not what the Lord is calling for. We can't say, Lord, if you will show yourself in a certain way, then I'll commit. That's not the way it works. He wants us to say this. Lord, I will commit to you right where you've got me. I will commit to you whether my child lives or whether my child dies. I will commit to you whether my marriage works or whether it don't. I will commit to you, Lord, whether you do what I ask you to do or whether you don't. Friend, will you make that kind of commitment? Have you made that kind of commitment? If you want to become a disciple and you can't make a disciple until you become one, you've got to come to this point where you're willing to have a desire to come after him and a commitment to do what he's asked you to do. Otherwise, you are not a disciple. So we've established who Jesus was talking to. He's talking to any one of us. We've also seen what we're supposed to do, and that is desire to come after him. But you know what? I need some more answers. I need to know how. I need to know how I'm supposed to go about doing that. I need to know the criteria. I need to know how I'm supposed to go about becoming a disciple. And Jesus said it. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. See, some Christians, they're able to answer the first two points. They're able to, to say, you know what, I have um, a desire to live for God. They identify themselves as the candidate. They may even dedicate themselves to make a commitment. But when they hear the criteria of becoming a disciple, then many turn back and walk away. Here's the criteria to committing to be a disciple. First, Jesus said, let him deny himself. 
the hardest thing you will ever do is deny yourself. Why? Because denying self doesn't just mean being disciplined. Denying self means be deceased. Denying self doesn't mean that you will make self exist on less. Denying self means that self is non-existent. That it's no longer about you. It's about your God and His Son Jesus Christ and all the lost that are in the world outside these walls. It's not thinking less of yourself. It ain't thinking about yourself at all. Denying self is not making self less important. It's not making self less visible. It means that self has been put to death. Paul said in Galatians 5.24 that those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. Crucified. That's past tense. That means when you were saved, that's what was supposed to happen. The flesh with its passions and desires was supposed to be crucified. Has it happened with you? Have you crucified self? Or if you had to be honest, is it still all about you? Has it happened with you? Have you crucified the flesh with its passions and desires? What's the answer to an addiction? Crucified flesh with all of its passions and desires. What's the answer to unfaithfulness? Crucifying the flesh with all of its passions and desires. Crucified. Just think, if Peter had crucified the flesh here, if he had put himself last here, then he would not have denied Jesus later because it would have been all about Jesus. Friends, if you're listening, say I'm listening. Amen. I'm glad you're listening. Because you will deny one of two. Do you hear me, church? You will. You will deny one of two. You will deny yourself or you will deny Christ. The question is, which will it be? There's no straddling of the fence. There's no walk in the middle line. You will do one or the other. And if you're not denying self, then you are denying Christ. And if you are denying Christ, then you're not denying yourself. Because you can't please both. 
You can't please the flesh and the spirit at the same time. You're going to please one or the other. So which will you deny? Will you deny self? Or will you deny Christ? That is your options. You know, not many Christians take their relationship with the Lord quite that far. That's called radical Christianity. That's called being a Jesus freak. You take your relationship with the Lord that far? So far that you would deny yourself? Well, let me tell you what Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 6. He's speaking to the boys and a few ladies. And he says, listen carefully, there are some of you who don't believe. It's not my words. This is the words of your Savior, your Lord. There are some of you who do not believe, disciples. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who didn't believe and who would betray him. He knew. He knew when you would believe and when you wouldn't. He knew when you would betray him and when you wouldn't. Verse 65. And he said, to Jesus said, Therefore I have said to you, no one can come to me unless he is, it has been granted to him by my Father. Get this. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. So that day, what would you have done? Knowing that the only way you could be a disciple was if you denied yourself. What would you have done that day? Would you have stayed or would you have left? Would you have been amongst the many who went away and walked with him no more? Would you still be standing with the Lord or would you have walked away from him? The first commitment you must make in order to be a disciple, is you must deny yourself. Crucify the self with all of its passions and desires. Two, the second criteria, to committing to be a disciple. Jesus said, you must take up your cross. Now, this is not the Lord's cross. This is uh, this is the individual disciples cross this is the anyone's cross whoever took up the cross always died and the cross is not an instrument of beauty the cross is not an instrument of decoration it's not meant to be an instrument of jewelry the cross had one purpose 
And that is anybody who was carrying it or put upon it would die. So taking up the cross does not mean that you have to deal with a mean, hard boss. Taking up your cross does not mean that you have to drive an old, worn-out car. Taking up your cross does not mean that you have to live with a certain ache or pain. Taking up your cross does not mean that having to deal with your friends who turn against you. Taking up your cross means to exchange your life for the life of Christ. To exchange your life in the flesh for Christ's life in the Spirit. We all know people who have rededicated their lives to Christ. Do you know anybody that has done that? Rededicated their lives? Let me see. you know anybody who's rededicated their lives to Christ? I remember back in 1998, I rededicated my life to Christ. But you know, in reality, you're either dedicated or you're not. Right? You're either dedicated to the Lord and His mission, or you're not. It's really that simple. So when I got rededicated, you know what I was really saying, right? I was saying that I wasn't dedicated at all. When I rededicated my life, I was just testifying that I was never truly dedicated to begin with. Otherwise, I would not have to be rededicated. I don't believe that you can be uh, any more rededicated than you can be redead. Because if I've denied myself and I've crucified the flesh, there's no way that I can be redead. I just didn't crucify it to begin with. I didn't dedicate my life to begin with. But I know that we do live in a sinful world. I do know that we do live in sinful bodies with sinful people. And I don't do know that it seems like our sin nature tends to resurrect itself. That our sin nature resurrects wickedness. I can't believe some of the things that I've done while declaring to be a disciple of the Lord. And I bet you if you look back in your life, you could see some similar things. You may have died today, but chances are pretty good you're going to try to resurrect self tomorrow. Amen? Therefore, what do I do? This execution, this death to self, has to happen every day. Paul said, I die daily. Every morning, I've got to crucify the flesh all over again. I've got to die to self brand new every morning when that alarm clock goes off. A man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a man who was executed by Nazis. Do you know why? Because he was the disciple of Christ. And Dietrich said, made this statement, he said, when Christ calls a man or a woman, the call is to come and die. To come and die 
and follow Jesus no matter what the cost. That is the way of the cross. You see, I'm not trying to step on toes here, but Christ's true followers are not people who sit in the church pews and pledge their allegiance to God. Christ's true followers are those who have committed to follow Christ wherever He may lead them. We're not pew warmers. We're Christ followers. That brings us to the third criteria for committing to be a disciple. And you can't make a disciple until you become one yourself. So what's that third criteria that I must know? Jesus said, follow me. What does that mean? Following Jesus means to live like he lived. When Jesus said, follow me, what he was saying was this. Submit yourself to my father and his mission. Do what I did. Following me, Jesus was saying, yield yourself to the Holy Spirit like I did. And allow the Spirit of God to reveal God's love through you. To show the joy of God through you. To show God's peace and His patience and His goodness and His faithfulness. To show and reveal God's gentleness and His self-control. You see, there can be no competition. Jesus will not compete with you. He will not compete with your selfish motives. Think about this. If you are a weightlifter, then you will have to pay the price for getting stronger. If you're a runner... You're going to have to pay the price to run faster. If you want to be a high jumper, you are going to have to pay the price to jump higher. And listen to this. Even if you want to stay right where you are, you're going to have to pay a price. Did you hear that? Even if you want to stay where you are in your life, even if you want to stay where you are in your walk with Jesus, there's a price that's going to have to be paid. Commitment strengthens over time, but it begins with a single decision. Let me reiterate that. Commitment. It strengthens over time. But it begins when you decide to make that first decision. So how about it? Are you ready to pay the price?
It may be financial. It may be meeting God's criteria of the tithe and being a little bit more faithful with what you do with the other 90%. What price might it be? It might be breaking a bad habit. You willing to pay the price and crucify the flesh with all of its passions and desires? There's a price to be paid. It may mean reprioritizing your schedule so that you can be more faithful to God with your time. We all got the same 24 hours. It's just that some people have chosen, some disciples have chosen to use a larger percentage of that time for Him instead of self. Will you pay the price? It may mean giving something up. The price you may pay may mean that you have to take something on. The question is, will you pay the price? But Brother Bill, you don't understand, man. I'm struggling. Man, I hurt every day. It's too hard. It's too difficult. Brother Bill, my work schedule just won't allow it. Man, Bill, don't you understand that I'm barely paying my bills now? Man, I don't know how to teach, Bill. Kids get on my nerves. I get a testimony. See, it's a price. If you don't want, don't want to pay the price, don't. But don't expect to be labeled as a disciple until you're willing to pay it. Will you become the disciple that Jesus uses to change lives? That's the question before you this morning. And you can't make one until you become one. Are you willing to be a candidate for a very strong commitment accepting all that criteria? Everybody look at the front of your bulletin. Lift it up and show me. The front of your bulletin. Now turn it so you can read it. Are you that anyone? Are you that candidate willing to make a commitment accepting all that criteria? And remember this. If you'll give what you can't keep, then you'll gain what you can't lose. To become a disciple, you must lay something down. You know what that is? Denying self. 
To become a disciple, you must lift something up. Do you know what that is? Pick up your cross. Exchange your life for the cause of Christ. To become a disciple, you must live something out. What is that? Allowing Christ to live through you. You know, before I began studying for this message, I said, you know, Bill, you're a pretty good disciple. And then I remembered all the times that I let self resurrect wickedness in my life. I realized all the different times that I wasn't living out Christ's life in my life. I wasn't really following him. I was giving him his due. But to become a disciple, we must do all of that. Jesus said, if any one of you disciples desires to come after him, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him. As you look in the mirror today, you ask yourself, Am I, am I a disciple? And you let the Lord speak to you about what needs to happen. Because, friend, our whole thrust this year is making disciples. And we can't make any disciples until we become them ourselves. And if I'm thinking my Christian life is all about me, then I am sadly mistaken. I'm no disciple. If I'm not taking up the cause of Christ to spread the gospel, I'm no disciple of Christ. If I'm not following him, doing what he would do, friend, I ain't no disciple of Christ. You ask yourself today, am I? You know, one of the saddest things that many preachers do is they give an invitation for somebody to be eternally saved without making them count the cost first. So here they come, up the middle aisle. I'm born again. I'm going to heaven. Whew. Now I can find my place on a pew, sit back, and enjoy the reward. Friend, there's a price to pay for being saved. There's a price to pay for becoming a disciple. Will you pay the price? So I want to invite anybody who wants to be eternally saved and have heaven as their resting place when they're gone from this planet. I want to encourage you to come and accept Jesus today. But I want you to know there's a price for it. You can't pay a price to get it, but once you get it, there's a price to pay for it. Christian, you know who you are. If you looked in the mirror today, would you say, yeah, I'm denying myself. Yeah, I'm taking up my cross. I'm taking up the Lord's cross. 
Yeah, I'm following Jesus. Even though I really don't believe in rededication, because what does that mean? It means that I really wasn't dedicated to begin with. I want to encourage you that if you feel the need, maybe to really dedicate yourself for the first time, this is the Sunday for it. Because you can't make a disciple unless you become one yourself. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to sing a song. And during that song, if you got the guts, if you got the courage to come forward and say, you know, Bill, just like you, I hadn't been really dedicated. You come forward during this song.